You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Smith the Moore shoots a three. Bullseye! Corner three on the way. Bullseye! Davis! And a three ball on the way. Bullseye! Hit by the Corbettes! Welcome to another episode of Full Steam Ahead. That clip courtesy of Purdue Sports Properties and Purdue Athletics, of course, the voice of the legend, the great late Larry Clisby, who unfortunately the Purdue community lost just a few weeks ago. On this episode, I want to dedicate to uh, Larry Clisby, and we want to remember him and also talk uh, a host of other things. And joining me to to do that on this episode are the current voices of Purdue basketball, uh, Rob Blackman and Bobby Buckets Riddell. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good, Adam. How are you, man? Hey, I'm great. Hey, it's tourney time. Hey, for me, it's the second greatest time of the year. Christmas, of course, for me is number one. And then, hey, March Madness, let's go, right? Yeah, those are great times of the year. Christmas is elite for sure. And then, hey, man, March Madness, you can't beat that. And how exciting is it to have it after missing out on it last year, right? For sure. Yeah, let's let's get this thing going. It sounds like overall everything's going well in the bubble. So let's let's get these games going. Well, yeah, I do no positive to... test, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> For Purdue, at least, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, it's good, good thing there. And you know, I hate to start this episode on a somber note. We'll get into some more happier things here in a minute. But I do want to give you guys both just a chance. You guys knew Larry Clisby so well. I wanted to give you guys both a moment just to kind of reflect and share some of your greatest memories. Rob, you knew him very well. And worked with him a long time uh, as your a co-host on the radio. I'll let you go ahead and start. Yeah, 15 years with the Cliz as uh, his broadcast partner and a unique situation for me growing up in the Lafayette area, just north of Lafayette. You know, I knew Cliz as a kid from not only calling Purdue games, but on television, on Channel 18 television as, an, as a sportscaster. Um, so imagine, you know, this is like one of my broadcasting heroes and all of a sudden I have the opportunity to work beside him. Uh, and those, you know, those first couple of broadcasts, I was a little intimidated because this is, I mean, it's the legend, right? <laughs> you don't want to screw it up. You're working, you actually get a chance to work with the legend. Uh, but I found out quickly, and this was a constant over all 15 years, what a, what a gentle soul he was and, and uh, just a great human being, uh, number one, first and foremost. But man, did he love his Boilermaker basketball. And I, I've said this numerous times, Adam. Um, the great thing about the Cliz is he connected with the fans because he was just as emotionally involved in the outcome of that game as the fans were. And I think that's why they loved him so much. Uh, he was, he was in with both feet and I know coach Katie appreciated that. And I am certain that coach Matt Painter appreciated that about Cliz is, uh, that there was no discussion about wh- which side of the fence he was on. He was on the Purdue side <laughs> and it was going to be that way come, uh, you know, come heck or high water. So, I uh, hate the fact that we don't have him with us. Um, uh, I, I, I hope that maybe maybe a little divine intervention from above, from the Cliz this March Madness, uh, maybe that'll take us a couple extra games uh, than we would have gone otherwise. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad you let me speak on that, Adam, but he is sorely missed. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, definitely for sure. And, yeah, that would be sweet to see you make, make a little magical run here uh, in his honor, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Bobby, you got to – you know, you got to uh, – experienced Cliz from a couple different perspectives. You played and he called some of your games uh, when you were a player and then you kind of replaced him in a, a sense uh, on the on the broadcast booth. Talk about just your interaction and some of your favorite memories of the Cliz. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's funny that 
Rob brought up the fact that it have, how passionate he was because I remember when I made the team for the first time, he was someone who I had idolized and looked up to as well and admired from afar. And I assumed, okay, the home broadcaster for the team is going to you know, be passionate, but you know, it was a whole nother level when you got to be around him and you were just realized like the intensity. Uh, I mean, when we lost, like he was just so down and out. Um, there was no in between, you know, he was like another, you know, he basically was like another staff or assistant coach almost to some degree, as far as how all in he was with, with the winning and losing, you know, he definitely felt uh, the highs of the highs on some of those road wins coming back. And then, the, the super downs on the tough losses. But so that was always, that was interesting to see how passionate he was, but like my first, you know, experience listening to him uh, that I remember like a lot of, I certainly heard him, I'm sure in the car driving and with my dad and on family trips during games, but there was a 1993, 94 recap video that was made of the Glenn Robinson led team that made the elite eight won the big 10. And that was like the first team that was like the team that made me a Purdue basketball fan. Um, Matt Waddell, Conzo Martin were really good players in that team too. And they made a recap video and Cliz like narrates the whole video and, you know, just every big play he's talking about it. And I watched, I had to have watched that video 500 times when I was a kid. I'm not even kidding. Um, and so his voice was just, you know, ingrained in me from that video alone. And so then to finally like get to meet him and my dad helped him a lot with, uh, he had some heart related issues uh, during like his fifties, I think some of those years. And my dad was a huge presence with, with helping him get better with that. And so he would always remind me how, you know, he liked me, but my dad was a lot cooler and a lot better. And he liked him a lot more than I did like than he did me because uh, my dad saved his life. So he would always remind me about that. And I always thought that was a really cool connection. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing those stories. And real quickly, before we move on, Rob, just, you know, your 15 years working alongside him, is there a one game or tournament or anything that just stands out above the rest of just calling a game alongside him or even if it's non-game related? Um, yeah, yeah, I got to tell you, Adam, I've been asked that question a lot. There, there really isn't one game that just stands out of all, above all the rest. Um, I, and that's probably a credit to him because so he was involved in so many big games um, that one doesn't really stand out above any of the others. Um, the most soul crushing without question was two years ago when we were so close to going to the final four, which of course, in hindsight would have been Cliz's last chance to get to the final four with Purdue. Uh, that one was a tough one to swallow knowing you were three tenths of a second away from not only Purdue getting there, but selfishly Cliz getting to the final four. So, uh, I hate to take it to a negative road. Um, but that, you know, that's, that was the soul crushing one, but uh. no, too many great ones. Too many great calls. I mean, I, now you got me my, my mind's racing. Chris Kramer's layup to beat Texas A&M to get us to the Sweet 16. Um, Jawan Johnson with back-to-back -back blocks against Washington to get us to the Sweet 16 uh, when we were out uh, out west. Um, there, there's a ton of them, man. Um, I, I can't – I got to stop because this whole conversation is just me, me remembering things. Dakota's three against uh, Butler was probably mm, – such, uh, such a huge – Pretty cool, too. Yeah. 
I got to tell you, even though Cliz was declining from a uh, 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 or from a talent standpoint late in his career, and not his fault, certainly the guy had stage uh, four lung cancer and brain cancer for gosh sakes. But even though his his skills were declining at the end, uh, if you listen closely, that Ryan Klein three to beat Tennessee two years ago in Louisville, Cliz is on it, man. I mean, he is. He, he, he sounded like he was 25 years old on that call. I mean, he was, he was just brilliant. Uh, so even at that stage of his career, when the skills were diminishing, man, he still had the ability to make, uh, make that big call, just do it just perfectly. And, and that's one I'll probably always remember too, that, that Ryan Klein step back three. Yeah, that was, man, some great moments there. And of course the signature bullseye we'll, we'll never mm -hmm. forget. Right. And that was really cool of uh, everybody who joined in on social media doing that a few weeks ago for that. The yeah. first game after his death, just people sending in yeah. their clips or putting bullseye on, on Twitter or Facebook. That was just yeah. a really cool moment to see. I know, Robin, you and I talked, uh, uh, before we move on, you and I talked on a previous podcast, you know, I asked you when you were kind of replacing his role, you know, if you were going to try to continue on some of his things like bullseye and stuff like that. And at, at that point, you were kind of unsure saying, you know, I might leave that for the Cliz and, you know, develop your own things. But is that is that thought changed now that he's gone that you might? Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. A little bit. Um, I've just kind of subconsciously told myself that every the first made three point shot of every game was going to be a bullseye to honor the Cliz. Um, now, where it goes from there, I don't know. If we know we rip off like four in a row against uh, North Texas tomorrow night, I might not ever stop. Um, um, but yeah, the first, at least for now, the first uh, first three in every game is going to get the Cliz bullseye as just a, a little wink and a nod to the Cliz. Yes. I like that. Love it. Love it, guys. Well, uh, Bobby, this is your first year. You joined the broadcast team uh, this year, this past off season. Can I talk about that process and how that came to be? Yeah, just a complete honor and, you know, something that has been an amazing experience. I've really enjoyed it. The opportunity kind of really came out of left field. Uh, obviously, Larry's situation, he was, the, the health situation was trending, you know, worse and worse. And so, and then when COVID hit, it was kind of like, okay, he's obviously a high risk guy. So they made the decision that, you know, he wasn't going to be able to be involved this season. And so, yeah, Elliot Bloom, the director of basketball operations just called me one day. I'm sitting in my office at work and uh, basically offered me the opportunity. And I was floored and, and really excited and was thinking, how is my, how am I going to get my wife to say yes, to let <laughs> me do this? And um, things of that nature as he was, you know, proposing it to me and, um, you know, ended up being able to accept the opportunity. And uh, it's been a true pleasure getting to work with a guy like Rob, who uh, started on the radio team my freshman year on the team. So I've known him for a long time. And uh, it's been fun sitting in his role as he was able to move into Cliz's role. And, you know, obviously honored to be able to, you know, step in for a guy like Larry, who's such a legend. And, um it's been a, a lot of fun you know the first game were it was crazy doing it this COVID year we're sitting in this you know tiny room off of ross Aid stadium and the team's in florida playing in a tournament down there and i've never done this before in my life and so i'm super nervous of course and i'm like okay i can't you know i don't want to be awful here but it was just weird you know you're watching a monitor the the, the feed would come in and out at times and I'm like nervous for Rob as he's trying to call play by play when it's when the screen's frozen um so it was a lot you know this first year but the chances we did have to do games live was a lot of fun and and then this past game uh for the Big Ten tournament to have fans there for the first time and to feel some of that 
environment was a blast. Yeah, as I say, you had a, an interesting first year. To, it wasn't even normal first year. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, though, I wonder if it helped me to some degree because it really just let me focus on the, the task at hand versus having some of the um, crazy, you know, student section going berserk to my right. Instead of having that, I can just watch the game and listen to Rob and try to, I know I, he gets mad at me sometimes if I don't listen to him uh, with everything he says, but uh, I can hey, Adam, for the most part and, and take it all in. So. Adam, it's the same way here at the Blackman house, wife, <laughs> children, no one listens to me. So why should I <laughs> Why should, why should I expect Bob to listen? Okay, no one else is. So. I try, I try. <laughs> no, but you do make a good point there because, you know, next year, hopefully, Lord willing, yeah. you know, you're going to have a full pack Mackie where, it, as you know, as a former player, it gets really loud in there. So, yeah, maybe this was a good year to get your feet wet and kind of be able to focus on the job. And now next year you're going to be all in with the, the full experience, right? <laughs> Heck yeah, exactly. But Rob, talk about bringing Bobby in uh, as your new uh, partner there on the broadcast. Yeah, well, the part Bob doesn't tell you is there's only one opinion on this, uh, who's going to be my next broadcast partner, and that was Matt Painter's opinion, okay? Head ball coach gets to pick, uh, and I'm having a little fun with Bob here, but <laughs> Matt is actually who brought that idea to me when we began the discussions that, uh, look, this, you know, this Cliz thing is not for not going to last much longer. Everyone understood that, including Cliz, by the way. Um and so Coach Painter, the first guy he mentioned was Bob. And there was actually was there was no second person mentioned that there was uh, Bob was one, two, three, four and five on a five man <laughs> wow. list. That's pretty uh, cool. So <laughs> so which it was fine with me. Look, obviously, as Bob mentioned, I knew him from when he was a player and was familiar with Bob, obviously. And and, you know, Elliot Bloom, who's our director of ops, who's also a big part of these decisions. Very, very aware of Bob, not only as a player, but most may not know. Bob spent a year with us as a student assistant coach. So he'd been around the coaching side of it, too, for at least a year. So it really was a no-brainer. Um, again, Coach Painter's pick, but his pick was perfect. Bob has done a great job, and he is he's done a wonderful job considering a very trying season. I know we're having a little yeah. bit of fun with this thing being COVID-19 and having to do it off of a monitor, but... I mean, think about this. You've never done broadcasting your entire life. This is completely foreign to you. In your first game, they stick you in basically your closet with a couple of TVs in front of you and say, hey, good luck. Here we go. Um, so that's, you know, you talk about trial by fire. That's exactly what Bob has had to go through in his first season. And he's done a great job. Um, we, I, I, do, I do kind of look forward to next year when Mackey is full and Michigan State or Indiana is in town and you know, the adrenaline's rushing and maybe official maybe gets a call, maybe not quite the way we I'm, can Bob hold it together then. That's the real trick as a broadcaster. <laughs> but for now, he's been able There's to a couple it. calls this year where I got a little bit bad. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't get any madder than the Cliz did. So. That's true. That's true. I, I know the feeling. So, uh, you know, I was a videographer for a long time before I moved over to our assignment desk. And my first year out of school at Purdue I was a videographer for WLFI mm -hmm. and I you know shoot some Purdue football basketball games and it was hard to hold the camera still and and be objective <laughs> yes. objective and yes. and shoot and I remember actually one of my first years here down here at Fox and CBS I I was shooting uh, the game that's a you know a, a instant classic on ESPN a lot um, the Purdue Michigan State game that we beat them I think when they were ranked higher than us and it was kind of like I think it was Robbie's it was maybe his freshman year. Freshman year. Yeah. Freshman year, I think. I was shooting that game and I just remember like 
the student's actually right behind me and you're trying to stay focused in your job but you want to jump up and down so bad that's funny yeah <laughs> uh that's awesome well and congratulations to you bobby that's awesome i got to catch a couple games on the rate when i on the radio when i was either driving and i made it a point to use the tune in app a couple of times just to be able to hear it because i'm usually here at work at night when the games are on so i didn't get to to hear you a whole lot but hey it sounds great and i'm excited for you guys and uh, like we said hopefully next year will be more of a well, back to back to normal so yeah. well we got some exciting uh we're recording this on a thursday night so uh but this will go out to uh, friday morning uh friday 7 25 p.m the boilers tip off against the north texas mean green talk about the excitement to be uh, playing some tournament basketball well yeah excitement certainly because we have a tournament um and Let's be fair, Purdue probably wasn't going to be in the NCAA tournament last year unless they would have done something really spectacular in the Big Ten tournament. So um, either way, you know, had there been a tournament last year, Purdue's probably not involved. But uh, so it's kind of a, you know, kind of a double blessing, if you will, that not only is the tournament back this year, but your team is in it and is playing well. I mean, Purdue gets a, a four, number four overall seed that, that basically says, you know, the committee thinks you're one of the best 20 teams in the country. So that's pretty impressive for a team that when the season started, most folks, including myself, thought if you're 500 or a game or two over 500, you had a heck of a season. And certainly Purdue has exceeded those expectations. So a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, you know, Purdue gets to play in Lucas Oil Stadium, a place they were just at last Friday. Um, and that game against Ohio State against o that went overtime and I'll let Bob speak to this, but I, you know, I thought in that game, Purdue had a great crowd, a uh, really good crowd. They were loud. And I know you're in a cavernous football stadium, but they were a part of the game. You could really hear them. And, and so I'm looking forward to hearing that uh, on Friday night too. Uh, I'm certain there'll be a lot of Purdue people in the building and it'll actually have the feel of a real college basketball tournament game. So that I'm really looking forward to that part of it. Yeah, for sure. Your thoughts, Bobby? Yeah, no question. I mean, like the NCAA tournament is, just one of the coolest events, you know, on the planet. And as a player, I just remember in the locker room, you know, before every game, there was jitters and nerves and stuff. But before the tournament games, it was just like this extra, you just knew, you know, the, the, the game, another game would be on in the locker room, you'd be watching it, there would be the, the tournament theme song. And there was just that extra special vibe uh, during tourney time. And so to be back in the arena, I uh, was fortunate well, or unfortunate enough to be at the Virginia Purdue game. You know, we, we talked about that one and how unfortunate the ending was, but the game itself was incredible. The vibe in the arena was off the charts and there's just nothing like the NCAA tournament. So I'm really excited to be in the building. And as Rob said, we got some of the fan experience in the Ohio state game in the big 10 tournament. And then, you know, now to be playing in, in our home state uh, in the tournament is just incredible you know, a lot of times the four thirteen matchups, if the 13 seed is kind of close, the arena can really flip on you. You know, we'll be fortunate to where, you know, a good chunk of the fans will be Purdue fans. So uh, they certainly won't flip on us. So uh, that'll be, you know, certainly could be beneficial for Purdue. Hopefully the game's not close. Hopefully our Boilers, you know, push it out. But it's going to be awesome just getting a chance to call a game uh, for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. What do you think about Purdue's chances? Do you like their draw on the bracket? Uh, disappointed or you feel pretty good about where they're at? I, I like the draw on Sunday. And then I started digging a little bit deeper into North Texas. And I think I'm beginning to all of a sudden resent the draw that Purdue got. Um, this North Texas team is pretty good. Um, 
And it's a team that if you just look at them from afar, you know, you're like, well, they were the third seed in their division of their conference, not even the conference. They were the third team in the West division. Um, so you think, yeah, they, are they that good? Well, they would have been the number one seed, but they hit it. They hit a speed bump right at the end of the regular season where they lost their last three games of the year. If they don't hit that hiccup at the end of the year, um, they're the number one seed going into their tournament. Um, instead, they're the third seed out of their division. They win four in a row, um, which had never been done in that conference before. Conference USA, you'd never have a team win four games in four days. Um, and they basically did it playing about six or seven guys because their top guy off the bench is injured, uh, a guy named Reuben Jones, who will not play against us, I'm told. Um, so, I mean, that's that a, helps. That's a, yeah, it helps. But it also makes me a little scary that that's Yeoman's effort that you, but basically a six man rotation ripped off four games in four days and found a way to win uh, all four of those games. The championship game went into overtime. So um, they're probably a little bit better than they would, would they look to be on paper. They have a really good guard by the name of Javion Hamlet, who was the conference player of the year last year. Uh, this year he was the conference tournament MVP. Uh, he's a fifth year senior. And then they have, and I'll let Bob maybe speak a little bit to this, but, you know, they have one thing that, that most mid-majors don't, and that's a quality big man and a guy named Zachary Simmons. Uh, he's six foot 10, he's a senior, but he can play, right? Normally at the mid-major level, if you're a big guy and you can play, you don't stay at the mid-major level, right? You, you end up going to a high major team. Um, so, the, but this guy didn't, you know, he's been a starter since his freshman year, thousand point score, 700 career rebounds. So he is a legit big guy, which you rarely see at the mid-major level. So uh, he could give us fits in the post. So at least from my vantage point, what, you know, what homework I've done on Bob, I mean, they do have some legit players who can, who can play. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. I, you know, when the draw came out, I'm like you originally, you know, you see North Texas, you see the name, obviously the mean green is not a juggernaut by any means from a historical standpoint. And so you feel good about that. And then when you see the five seed Villanova as banged up as they are, yeah. uh, you know, Winthrop's obviously a talented team. There's been a lot of buzz about them. That they're certainly going to give Villanova a good game, you would imagine. But either way, from a Purdue standpoint, you're thinking, okay, if you can get past the 13 seed, you're going to either get a 12 seed or a really banged up Villanova team. So you certainly like your draw as far as getting to that Sweet 16. I didn't love seeing Baylor in our region. Uh, they're a very talented team. You know, they were one of the few teams I would have was hoping to avoid. Granted, you know, once you get to the Sweet 16, if you're fortunate enough to get there, you're going to play a really good team usually no matter what. But um, when it comes to the, as far as the mean green, yeah, I'm, I'm with Rob on that. I, you know, as I watched some some of the YouTube clips on them and got that feel for some of the personnel, uh, as Rob said, their post player, he's, he's a talented dude. The one blessing I think for Purdue is he, he's not a perimeter-oriented uh, mm -hmm. big guy. You know, right. Purdue is, you know, with Travion and Zach as Kyle Young, you know, showed us the other day. Uh, and who knows, you know, Simmons maybe will pull Kyle Young and start raining threes on us, but hopefully not. But perimeter bigs that can shoot have given us some fits this year as far as, you know, our big guys getting out there and covering them. But uh, Simmons is not a, you know, he's more of an interior back-to-the-basket guy, scoring, you know, hook shots over with either hand. He's very talented with that, uh, which – you know, that's it, Purdue doubles the post all year, has been doing it all year. I presume we'll double the post once again to get the ball out of his hands, as talented as a low post scorer as he is. But they surround him with some guys who can shoot. They were one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country this year. And they got three guards who can really go, um, including, you know, 
the main guy, Hamlet, that uh, Rob spoke about as a lefty. Uh, he's got a nice handle, really tries to break you down, floaters in the lane. Uh, you know, they're, they're certainly going to be a team that's not scared. And Purdue's going to have to go right at them and bring a lot of intensity. But Purdue certainly is going to have an overall depth and size advantage that they can hopefully impose their will. Yeah. But if Purdue doesn't make shots from the perimeter, we're going to have a game on our hands. Yeah. yeah, and I would add this, you know, talking about making shots. <laughs> Purdue's not going to get a lot of shots in this game. I mean, they, they play one of the slower paces in the country. Um, you, you know, if you're Purdue and you get – say 60 shots Friday night, you probably had a pretty good night offensively. So you're going to have to be really efficient on the offensive end. You can't have 60 possessions. I said 60 shots. I meant to say 60 possessions. You can't have 60 possessions and turn it over 15 of the 60. Okay. Now you're down to, now you're down to 45 possessions. Uh, And if you shoot, you know, less than 50%, now you're really in trouble. I mean, you didn't make very many shots. Um, So Purdue's going to have to be really efficient offensively just because they're not, I don't think they're going to have very many possessions in this game. That's, that's just how North Texas handles their business. They, they play a slow pace. They're very deliberate and they want to keep the game close, keep the game in the fifties, maybe the sixties, and you don't get a lot of possessions. So you, the few possessions you get, you have to take advantage of. You're saying this is going to be a Purdue Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. Well, on pay, actually Adam on paper, it's very similar, uh, very similar as far as pace of play to Wisconsin. Um, now Purdue obviously has had some success against Wisconsin as of late, which is always good news, but it is very similar for the fans that'll be watching the game or hopefully listening to us. Uh, the pace of play is very similar and that's exactly how North Texas plays. Yeah, I do. I do like the draw. You, you, there's always those unknowns with the mid majors, like, uh, like a North Texas till you actually get on the floor and play them. You know, the, you know, I never ever wish injuries upon anybody, but you could take advantage of, you know, Villanova does get past Winthrop. You play a, a banged up Villanova team in the second round. So you like your chances there or, or Winthrop, you know, you don't want to count them out either. And then, yeah, you get that Titan matchup with Baylor potentially, you know, that's, you know, you get past that game. You, I kind of like, I like that bracket outside of, you know, looking at Baylor's name on theirs. Well, maybe Ohio state's beatable. Right. Yeah. And I, look, I, I, we haven't had to talk about this yet. I hope that we don't end up having to talk about it, but you know, COVID-19, at least to this point, and here we are Thursday night, we're just getting started. It has not reared its ugly head and affected a team yet, really, other than Virginia and practice time for them. Um, And this is a tournament, I think, guys, that just survive in advance because that next game, you might not even have to play. You you don't have no idea. You have a COVID outbreak for whomever. You say Baylor. Well, uh, Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech's going to be missing one of their players. Who tested positive. And I think Oklahoma – their gotcha. second leading score maybe is going to be so no one in our bracket, right. but there's been a couple other teams that have had a couple sporadic pop-ups. So like you gotcha. said, Rob, you know, you get to the sweet 16 and if one of Baylor's best players can't play, like that's a huge <laughs> right. 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 Again, yeah. You never wish that on anybody, but yeah, you got to be ready. And yeah, you never know what's going to happen. This tournament is a total wild card, I think. So, who knows? Yeah. but uh, you know, kind of quickly as we're kind of wrapping up here, keys to, what are the keys to making a long run in this tournament outside of, you know, health issues? Well, I do think you're going to have to make some shots from the perimeter. Purdue has not been very good three-point shooting this year. Um, as a team, 33%, not great. But even more importantly, some guys you count on to make threes on a regular basis, and I'm talking specifically Jaden Ivey and Eric Hunter, they're both in the 20%, 20 percentile uh, shooting from the three-point line. Um, 
So you really like not only everyone on your team, but especially guys who are going to shoot a lot of threes to maybe pick right. up the pace a little bit there. Because I don't think you can win at a high level in this tournament and keep advancing just throwing the ball inside to Travion and Zach every single time. Eventually, you're going to have to make some outside shots. So I would start with that. And quite frankly, I do think it comes down to how the game gets officiated. You know, we have that. It's a concern for Big Ten teams every NCAA tournament. Bob knows. He played. He coached. He, man, you get in that NCAA tournament, you might get three officials from out west that you've never seen before, and they call a tight game. And you're used to being physical and all of a sudden your best players are on the bench in foul trouble. So if I had to pick two things, I think three point shooting is going to be a key and how the games are officiated. Um, That's going to be a big part of it too. Well, one positive is if I'm correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong, big 10 officials won't be allowed to call any of the big, uh, big 10 involved teams. If I'm, if I'm correct on that, at least. So we don't have to worry about about Bo Bariski. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, any of our games. I wasn't aware of that, but maybe that is something they're I, doing. I, I could be wrong on that. I'll have to check on that. But I thought conference officials weren't allowed to officiate games that involved a, a conference team. I could be wrong. I'm a, I thought I've read that somewhere before. But maybe that'll play to produce favor because, you know, not to rail off on this, but I thought just the officiating in the Big Ten was terrible all around this year. So, <laughs> yeah, college basketball officiating can get. <laughs> you know, a little dicey at times, but that it's, it's definitely one of the hardest jobs, you know, to do in sports. People sure. don't appreciate how hard officiating truly is, but um, yeah, there's times where it can get pretty frustrating. And I, I Rob, it's funny. You mentioned the three point shooting. I put out a, a poll on the uh, Twitter page today of what was the key to making the run. And that was that so far uh, through this day is the number one thing by kind of far and away right now is three point shooting. So that's, Gotcha. Well, think about, you know, the famous Carson Edwards run. He actually that season was a very inconsistent shooter. Yeah. And then the dude obviously just catch absolutely catches lightning in a bottle along with Ryan Klein. Um, they had some other guys like Aaron Wheeler and Grady Eifert who made threes in that tournament run. Uh, the three-point shot is just crucial. And, you know, that's why they always say guard play is so big in the tournament. That obviously often results in three-point shooting as well. And so you got to hit threes. And hopefully, a lot of times the tournament ends up being where which guys get hot, or which team does Kemba Walker get hot, or does Carson Edwards get hot? Yeah. Uh, you know, Virginia had Kyle, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. Mm-hmm. So Purdue's got a couple guys. You know, Sasha Swanovich, Jaden Ivey, Brandon Newman. You know, Eric Hunter could could get hot. You know, they got some guards that could get hot, uh, but you know, they also could be cold. And and that's the beauty of a one and done situation is um, if it's not your night that night, and if it's the other team's night you're going home so we'll have to hope the boilermakers guards get hot at the right time yep sure well hopefully we'll still be talking about this on april 5th uh on a monday night and be a great That'd be epic. <laughs> yeah. uh, real quickly uh as we're kind of wrapping up i kind of want to grab your thoughts on the future obviously everybody on this team is eligible to uh, return next season plus adding caleb first and uh, trey kaufman ren uh just talk about, you know, the future of this program. I don't, you know, obviously Travion will have a decision to make. And I don't know if anybody else, as far as uh, attrition, as far as transfers or anything like that, we were obviously surprised by a couple last year, but um, I mean, just the thought of what this team could even do next year. And I would assume a preseason top 10, top 15 rank ranking going into next season. If everybody comes back plus their additions, your thoughts. Yeah. And I would add also, Adam, you look at what else in the, who else in the big 10 may or may not be coming back. If you just go with general kind of feel for who's leaving and who's staying, I have a tough time picking against Purdue not being the Big Ten favorite next year. Now, 
Michigan will have the number one recruiting class in the nation coming in. They'll all be freshmen. Who knows? A lot of freshmen were really good this year, so maybe that doesn't mean make a difference. Um, but I do think Purdue has a great chance to be the preseason favorite in the Big Ten next year. Everyone coming back, we're all assuming, just because of I don't. I'm assuming most of Iowa's guys that can graduate are going to do so. DeSumo's leaving Illinois. I think everyone's pretty confident in that. Um, Michigan's going to have some attrition. So I look at it that way. I, you know, I know it's easy to look at it from the Purdue standpoint. I try to look at everyone else in the league. All right, who else is coming back? But yeah, I to say the sky's the limit for this team next year, I, I think that's a fair statement, yeah. Bobby? Yeah, I'm right there with Rob. I mean, on paper, you know, next year, they look nasty. Um, you know, when you consider every, I mean, they're already a really good team this year. I mean, top four finish in the league. And then you bring in everybody back on paper and then you add in two studs. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate probably that those two guys kind of play the front court positions. It's great to have great front court players, but uh, Purdue's, you know, Zach Eady and Travion Williams certainly are, are going to get every available minute that they can have. Um, we'll see if, you know, I think Coffin Rand will definitely play more of that power forward position. And there's probably certainly some minutes potentially available there. Uh, if he's there, if he's going to be battling guys like Mason Gillis and Aaron Wheeler, uh, Caleb first, I think he's probably going to be more of a five, I think like a small ball five, but we'll see if he potentially plays some power forward as well. But so it, they're just going to have a lot of riches in the front court, which is awesome because you just never know injuries and things of that nature can pop up. But uh yeah, I, I'm with Rob. I think they should be probably preseason, along with Ohio State, probably right there at the top as far as preseason, uh, top of the Big Ten, barring, you know, a guy like Dwayne Washington, who I think is extremely talented for Ohio State, could easily see him parlaying a nice postseason run into a, a draft selection. I think he's a pro, legit. So, yeah, like Rob said, you just never know where the attrition is going to go. But certainly Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, I think they're going to lose a lot of their best players. And then Purdue's going to bring pretty much everybody back. So it's going to be really exciting next year. But we can't get ahead of ourselves because right. nothing's guaranteed. We've, we've unfortunately had to deal with some injury stuff between, you know, Robbie, Isaac Haas throughout our time. So you never know. So we got to, hey, we got to make a run this year. All right. Yeah, hopefully it's a lot to get excited about. Hopefully it's something we don't need to talk about for another three weeks to look forward to, to next season. So. Hey guys, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you guys joining the Full Steam Ahead podcast and uh, safe travels down to, to Lucas Oil and hopefully a three-week run ahead of us. That sounds like a great plan. Thanks for having me, Adam. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks Look. for having me, Adam. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, they're up. <laughs>